This is a Federal News Network podcast. Significant shortcomings. That's the word the Government Accountability Office is using to describe how pandemic relief agencies applied their financial controls. The government spent trillions of dollars and no one knows yet how many went out as improper payments. Now GAO has a long list of recommendations for Congress. Joining me with the rundown, Comptroller General Gene Dodaro. Mr. Dodaro, good to have you on. It's a pleasure to be with you, Tom. So this must be a little frustrating for GAO because when we had all of this rush of legislation over a period of 18 months to appropriate this money, there was a PRAC set up to oversee it. Agencies promised rat board-like structures similar to the 2008 relief. What happened? What do you see is going on here? Well, there was a tremendous rush and a sense of urgency to deal with the public health issues and the economic repercussions of the pandemic. And as a result, you know, agencies either reduced or eliminated some of the controls that were in place before the payments were made. Then, you know, they could have compensated a little bit by putting in aggressive monitoring practices and post-payment reviews right after the money. But those were slow to put in place as well, Tom. And so I was very concerned. I spoke about this, tried to deal with the agencies. But the trade-offs of urgency over transparency and accountability meant that we didn't meet the transparency and accountability goals that everybody hoped we would meet. So are agencies yet to put in those controls, at least to understand what happened? Or will we ever know the extent of what might have been improper payments, do you think? Well, they've been, you know, quite honestly, a little slow to put the controls in place. Um, the IGs have been very aggressive in going after people that they've identified as fraud. There are hundreds of people that have already pled guilty and convicted. There's federal charges pending against hundreds of others. It'll be very difficult to know what the full extent of the fraud will be over a period of time. But the main message that I had to the Congress was that these problems I just explained to you about the trade-offs were exacerbated by underlying financial management weaknesses that were in place before the pandemic. This included a significant payment problem, you know, with improper payments. You know, even in 2001, there was $281 billion in improper payments, 86 programs, 16 different agencies. One third of those programs, 26, had over 10 percent error rate. So we had a payment problem before. Secondly, agencies were supposed to implement 2016 legislation to implement GAO best practices for preventing fraud before it occurred. But they were slow to put these in place. So SBA and Department of Labor weren't really as ready as they should have been to prevent fraud before the pandemic emergency hit. So to make an analogy, it's almost as if they had weak knees to begin with and then went hiking with a 200-pound backpack. That's a fair analogy, Tom. That's a fair analogy. And I was also concerned, you mentioned the RAT board. The way the PRAC was set up initially in 2020, they didn't have all the support that the RAT board had at the beginning of the Recovery Act. Now, the Congress compensated for that in March 2021 with the American Rescue Plan, But that was a year after trillions had been already authorized and the programs were well underway. One of the recommendations I made to the Congress is to make this what's now called the PACE Center. It's kind of like the Recovery Operations Center, but it only focuses on pandemic money. 
is to make this IG analytical capability permanent and to have it apply to all federal spending. I made this recommendation back in 2015 so the Recovery Operations Center wouldn't cease operations. But unfortunately, that recommendation was not heeded. So uh, I'm at it again. And hopefully uh, we'll get this uh, in place. We're speaking with Gene Dodaro. He's Comptroller General of the United States and head of the Government Accountability Office. And one of them, as you mentioned, fraud risk management reporting. Your recommendation is to reinstate a requirement that fraud controls are reported annually. I guess, in a sense, you're kind of chiding Congress for letting this lapse in the first place. Well, when the uh, Data Analytics and Fraud Reduction Act got folded into broader improper payments legislation, and this was an oversight, I believe, and I'm asking them to correct that and have more visibility and reporting. I'm also recommending, Tom, that uh, improper payments be reported in the annual financial reports of the government. You know, OMB eliminated that requirement a while back and only has it in paymentaccuracy.gov, which is okay, that's fine, but I believe it also should be in the financial reports of the government, which is really a record of the stewardship over federal funds, which includes what payments were proper or not. I'm also calling for a greater role for the CFOs in making sure that proper payment estimates are proper, that there's monitoring of corrective actions. Right now, it's just the program officials that run the program. So we need a little more rigor and more oversight within the executive branch agencies. I'm also suggesting any new program that's created by the Congress over $100 million be automatically determined to be susceptible to improper payments. So you'd have to prove that a program's low risk not wait as now is the case two or three years down the road when there's problems already entrenched and right now they don't have to estimate until that time frame so this would put a better safeguard in up front you know you really got to get ahead of these issues that's why i also recommended that the congress require omb to institute internal control plans for emergency spendings now to have it in place So it's ready to go if an emergency hits. You can always tailor it a little bit, but we know what the problems are, but we're not ready. And you got to get ahead of this stuff. Sure, yes. There will be other situations, in other words, when the government is appropriating wholesale but distributing money retail, and you have this huge distribution of amounts that's just very hard to trace. That's exactly right. I mean, we first made this recommendation as it related to natural disaster assistance, Tom. But that wasn't put in place. And we made this so it'd be extended to uh, all emergency spending. And so we're reiterating that kind of recommendation now as well. We know we're going to have additional emergencies in the future. We know that there'll be pressure to put out money quickly. But there should be some prevention of fraud efforts underway, quick risk assessments that are done before payments start flowing freely so that there's some you know, controls up front. And then there ought to be quick post-payment reviews so you can get some recoveries underway. You know, experience will tell you if you don't get on top of this stuff later, your ability to recover anything gets severely diminished. And just getting back to the detail of chief financial officers, I mean, they have been statutorily in place now for 30-some years, and it seems like they're really still not fully inculcated into all agency activities. I would think a program manager that just been handed 
$500 billion or a trillion dollars wouldn't leave his or her office without first calling the CFO. Well, I agree, Tom. We did a 30-year study of the benefits of the CFO Act, and there were many. You know, we've got better leadership in place. There have been a lot of improvements in financial management agencies now. Most of them routinely get clean audit opinions. But the CFOs, as you're pointing out, don't all have uniform responsibilities. And some don't have responsibility for budget formulation, for example. So we've recommended to the Congress that they give CFOs uniform responsibilities across government. You give the deputy CFOs similar responsibilities so they could step in when there's inevitable turnover to require better financial systems plans be put in place, better reporting on cost and performance. The Senate passed the bill with these suggestions last Congress, and the House just reintroduced that bill. So I'm hoping that the Senate will take it up as well and put also in there these additional legislative suggestions that we're making to have a better, stronger financial foundation. I was also disappointed, Tom, that some agencies, particularly SBA, when we ran into problems very early in the pandemic, wouldn't take advice that I offered. You know, during the Recovery Act, we worked hand in glove with the Treasury Department on the Troubled Asset Relief Program. The government got back more money, actually, than we gave to the banks. And we didn't get everything back in terms of the automakers. And, and of course, there were housing programs that were never intended to be repaid. And they got a clean audit opinion the first year. And I made the same offer for SBA. It was rebuffed. And as a result, they got off to a poor start. And, you know, quite honestly, they were overwhelmed. But in that case, you should be asking for help. And when people are offering it, you should be taking them up on the opportunity. So I think there's also, I advise the Congress to make sure in future emergencies, it's clear that the agencies should reach out not only to the CFOs, Tom, but to the IG community, because they have a lot of experience in GAO in these matters and can be a constructive force in the beginning of the programs, not just the after-the-fact audit. And it seems like there's one other missing piece here, and that is good financial controls need to manifest themselves in the application process and back-end processes for accepting applications and deciding and distributing money in the programming of the program, if you will. Right. Yeah. And we're working with uh, OMB and Treasury now, OPM, to see if we can come up with better identity verification issues up front. You know, in some of these programs, particularly the unemployment insurance program, it's administered through the states. So the states are on the front line. So it's not just the federal agencies, Tom. we got to get the states more modern systems, better controls up front. And a lot of improper payments also occur in the Medicaid program, which is state-administered program as well. So this is a governmental issue that requires federal and state cooperation. But the federal government needs to lead, and that's what I'm trying to advocate. All right. Any reaction so far? Are you getting vibes from the Hill that, yeah, we need to do this? Oh, absolutely. I was very pleased that the Senate called the hearing on March 17th before the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Governmental Affairs. I've had conversations with the House leadership. So I think there's a recognition that this situation with the pandemic aid didn't turn out as well as people expected from a 
you know, preventing fraud and ensuring proper payments and efficiencies. There were a lot of good things that happened. But uh, in that aspect, I don't think anybody was fully satisfied. And they're preparing to deal with this and hopefully implement all the suggestions that we and the IG community have made. Gene Dodaro is Comptroller General of the United States and head of the Government Accountability Office. As always, thanks so much for joining me. It's always a pleasure, Tom. You take care. We'll post this interview along with a link to that report at federalnewsnetwork.com slash Federal Drive. Subscribe to the Federal Drive at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your shows. This episode is brought to you by Zelle. Whenever you're sending money through an app or online, it's important to do it safely. Here are a few helpful tips. First, always make sure you know and trust the person you are sending money to. Second, confirm you have entered their contact details correctly. And finally, if you don't trust the person or your recipient is rushing you to send money right away, think twice before sending money through an app or online. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.